Welcome to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, where we explore perceptions. How self-reflecting questions can give you a better understanding of self. I'm your host, Sonia Iris Lozada. Stay tuned. Jonathan Throwen is a life mastery coach and a creator of Self-Love Revolution, his mission to help people find the joy inside themselves. Jonathan spent 20 years in the music and entertainment business, living the life of his dreams and interviewing the biggest stars in the world, but he wasn't happy. He also found out he wasn't alone, so he went on a mission to find out why. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Poetic Resurrection. Today, we're honored to have Jonathan Trowin, and he is a life mastery coach and creator of the Self-Love Revolution. Welcome, Jonathan. So happy to be here. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And I'm, I'm really grateful you're here because I really want to know, what is the self Love revolution. The self love revolution is a movement where we as human beings can move from a place of sometimes self sabotage, but sometimes honestly self loathing to a place of self love so that we can really begin to become our own best friends because we are our own worst enemies most of the time with all the self talk that we have. We beat ourselves up and I, this is how I was. I was a bully, I was my own worst enemy. I didn't know I was, to be clear, I didn't, did not know I was beating myself up at the time. I didn't know I was my own worst enemy at the time, but I discovered that I was. And then I tried to figure out how to change it. And I figured it out for me. And I, then I discovered that I wasn't the only one that had a problem. I was like, what? Everyone talks to themselves like this? Yes. So the self-love revolution is 15 years of research and practice of how we can really and deeply make this transition and become our own best friends. Yes, because I know the, what is it? We have 6,200 thoughts a day and 80% are negative. That's huge. We just, you know, and I have to stop myself, even though I'm very much on this, soulful path of following who I am and moving on and positive self-talk at the same time creeps in sometimes. It's like, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and that. And normally that's okay. But then I'll start thinking about what someone said or how it made me feel, or I got an email that was annoying. And then I start building a story that doesn't even exist. How do you quiet that? Oh, you don't. Okay. See, this is the whole thing. And look, I'm a believer of the law of attraction. I watch this circuit. The problem is it's not the only law in that it works in, in a whole realm of other laws. In fact, Bob Proctor has a really good series called the 11 Forgotten Laws, and they all weren't in the secret. So we just thought, okay, change our thoughts and everything changes. No, because it's not going to work for most of us. That's why so many people say affirmations don't work for them because it's not how they're, they're designed. Not, they're not designed to work in the way most of us have been taught. Not that it doesn't work. Most of us have been taught incorrectly. So it's not that you're supposed to stop. I don't even like the term negative thoughts. No such thing as negative thoughts. Let's just get that out of it. That there's no negative thoughts, no positive thoughts. 
and there are no negative emotions and positive emotions, but begin to observe the ones that you're having. You see, you have to start from a place of acceptance, not of a place of, I don't like this, I want to change, mm -hmm. but from a place of acceptance. Lasting change is not created from a place of struggle. I don't like this. I'm going to take massive action. I'm going to change it. Change will happen. It just won't last. That's why we go in, into these up and down loops because you get the change and then you fall back. You get the change, you fall back. Lasting change comes from a place of acceptance or even a positive emotional uh, state. From this place of acceptance, it's accepting, oh, interesting, I have these thoughts. I'm not going to punish myself for having them because that's what we do. Oh, I have a negative thought. They told me I shouldn't have a negative thought. Um, <laughs> so let me beat myself up for having a negative thought. Well, that's just another, another again, no negative thoughts, but that's a, another unhelpful thought on top of an unhelpful thought. So the first thing is just to notice the conversations that are taking place without fighting, acceptance. Once you are accepting of yourself, and it's not even the thoughts that you're accepting. It's the physical sensations created by the thoughts, right? You have a thought, I'm not good enough. This isn't going to work out. That person is a jerk. Your body, you know, begins to tighten up in the chest and the stomach, the shoulders. And we try and fight it, uh, but we can't, we can't break out of it. Stop fighting it. Just go, okay, I have an uncomfortable sensation in my chest. Oh, it really sucks. Okay, what if I don't fight it? These words adapted from Thich Nhat Hanh. I see you. I hear you. I will not fight you. I'll be here for as long as you need me to be here. Okay, now I can begin to open up. It does, still doesn't feel good, but I'm not fighting it anymore. Now I can just ask if it has to do with thoughts, like you said, I can just go, okay, what is a better thought for me to have right now? If you ask that question, everyone pause, ask that question. What's the best thought I can have right now? The universe implants it into your head. The universe will give you anything. You ask a question, the universe gives you the answer. You got to yeah. ask the right questions. And you have to quiet that mind. You have to quiet. I find with me is when I get into those thoughts, I say, why? Why am I even feeling that? So I'm actually questioning it, not trying to quiet it. Because I would like to know the why of my thoughts. I'm not against them, but the why. How do you answer a why? In your opinion, how do you answer a why? There, there are a couple of different sides of this. Any question you ask, you'll get an answer for. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always mean it's true. It also doesn't always mean if it is true that it's helpful. Yes. So why do I feel this way? Now, it, it's not bad to really dig in and go, oh, this happened. And if that happened, that means I can change it and, and do it differently. Mm -hmm. So there is a benefit for that. We have to be aware also that that why question can create a state of blame. Blame is one of the 13 saboteurs. So when I go, well, why do I feel this way? Usually, not, sometimes you can really point to something. But often it's either that person's fault mm. or my fault. And that is unhelpful to place blame. It's really unhelpful. I find putting blame on yourself or anything is horrible. My why is I'm trying to understand me. What triggered me to feel that way? 
on someone like me, who you have this self-love, how would you, I always use myself as an example, so I don't use other people that I know because they might not like it. <laughs> what would you say to someone like me who asks why? I do not put blame. To me, that's one of the worst things you can ever do in your life is to put blame on yourself or somebody else because they're not the ones making yourself your life. And you can't blame yourself on past because it's the past. See, to me, the why is irrelevant unless you can go and heal it. So the thought triggers often when we're talking about these sensations in the body and really trying to figure out a why from about something that has to do with historical trauma, right? Something that happened in our childhood is being triggered today, right? And it could be something we did, something else did, so, something someone else did, and it triggers something in us. Mm -hmm. So you have to go to the feelings in the body first. Often, once you do that, you can trace that back. You can trace the experience in the body to go, okay, when else have I felt that? And then you can begin to see a pattern. Oh, I felt that, you know, when I, when I was 30. Oh, I felt that when I was 25. Oh, I felt that when I was 20. Oh, oh, I felt that when I was five or some people have really good marriage. Oh, I felt that when I was three. And then you go back to a time and go, okay, well, what happened when, when you were five years old? Sometimes it's something huge and major and we need to heal that sometimes it's something that most of us would not think to be major but for mm -hmm. that five-year-old they just thought their parent wasn't paying attention right i mean that's where where trauma gets very difficult to talk about because we think it has to be something big and believe me there's way too much of the big trauma a lot of people have been been hurt in unspeakable ways but many people also haven't been hurt in those unspeakable ways but the experience they had is the same because they thought that they weren't getting the love that they believed they deserved from their parent or from somebody else, even though we might think it's innocuous. So it doesn't matter whether in reality it was innocuous or it, it was tremendous or something in between. So that's how you find the why. And when you know that why you go, and there are multiple ones, it's not just the one incident, although sometimes there's like one overarching one, but mm -hmm. there, there's the five-year-old and there's the 16-year-old and there's the 21-year-old. And sometimes you got to go to each of them and give them, they, they actually have a term, I actually learned this term recently, I don't know how long it's been around, but they, they say reparenting, but you can go to, to your inner child, give them that love, say, I see you, I, and not make their anger bad. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be angry. Not say you don't, I'm here now. Don't be angry. No, be angry. It's okay that you're angry. I understand that you're angry or I understand that you're hurt. Or I understand what you're sad or I understand that you're anxious, whatever it is. I understand you're feeling this way and I don't care. I'm here for you now. You can feel whatever you want. I love you just the way you are. And sometimes apology is necessary. I'm sorry that I wasn't here for you. I'm sorry that I fought you for so many years because often we deny that part of us. We try and bury it. And I'm going to yes. ignore that, pretend it never existed because if I change my thoughts, I can pretend the past didn't exist and I can create my new future. Okay, yes, to a point, but the past did exist. And if you can surrender to it, and if you can tell that child, I am here, I'm sorry I wasn't there. I'm sorry I ignored you. Not blaming parents or teachers or anyone mm -hmm. else, but I'm here now and show up every day and say, I love you. That's when that real healing can happen. So for me, the why can't, it starts up here, but it has to go here. Mm -hmm. And that's what transports you to the real why. Otherwise it's a make-believe why, like, oh, I just could have done that differently yesterday. 
Now, if it really is something, oh, okay, I, I, I should have called someone when I did. And those, those are smaller things for most people. So if something simple comes up, why? Oh yeah, I just should have done that differently. I should have washed the dishes and I didn't. I should have called that person back and I didn't. Okay, do it. There's also probably something underneath. Well, why didn't you call the person back? What were you afraid of? What were you running from? In life, I find you don't call people back when they drain your energy. At least that's been my experience. I normally call everybody back then decide from there. It's, I think it's really different for everyone. So yeah. for me, I love people, but I yeah. also historically have a fear of people. It's that old one. Now I'm kind of over it, but there's still a piece of me that still has it. Am I being judged? Am I saying the right things? All that kind of stuff. The phone, my whole life has been exhausting for me. And it's not that a person drains me. Like I can be in a room with someone in charge. But the truth is the phone, Zoom calls, it takes an incredible amount of energy for me to connect with someone in this way. After I have a phone call, often, I'm just exhausted. Even if it was a wonderful, loving phone call, and part of me is energized because I connected to a person I haven't spoken to in a while, a dear friend, I'm like celebrating. I'm like, I got to sit for a few minutes. (laughs) Now, I don't get that when I'm in person with people. So I have to go to, to my why. And I don't know. I, I don't know if there's some connected trauma for that. I haven't figured that out. I just honor me. It's like, it's okay, Jonathan, that you're, that you're tired. Take a break. I love you just the way you are. And by yeah. doing that, by not fighting me, that gives me energy. Yeah, it really does. Because fighting yourself is exhausting. Yes. Oh my God. It's just, and catching yourself. That's the, the hard part. Sometimes you go off on a tangent and you catch yourself like, why was I doing that? Yes. I'm actually in a great mood. I, I, there's nothing bothering me, but I think it's the fear within us. I actually have a poem and it's called No K-N-O-W. And it talks about Uh, hiding fear and anger. And at the end, you realize that it was actually to your benefit to acknowledge that and move on. Yes. Ah. Yes. I'll send you a copy of that. Maybe I'll put it in the notes. (laughs) Yeah. You send it to me and I will share it too. Because that's the big thing. We've been told so often, don't be sad. Don't be, uh, don't be angry. Don't be afraid. No, be afraid. Well, first of all, do you know anyone that, that's never been sad, angry, or afraid? No. Everybody has. So why are we trying to tell people to do something that's completely human to do? Basically, when we say don't be sad, don't be angry, or don't be afraid, we're saying don't be human. Fear. So part of the program, part of the self-love revolution is turning fear into a friend. Because we've been taught so often, don't be afraid, that then when we feel it, we run away from it. Oh, that's afraid. I'm not supposed to be afraid. So instead of trying to figure out, we just run from it. Oh, wait. No, I don't have to be afraid. I can just do something easy. I don't have to move into my courage zone. I can stay in my comfort zone where no Mm -hmm. change happens. So we have to learn to be comfortable with moving into the courage zone, which for me, honestly, are those phone calls. It takes a lot of energy. It's in my courage zone. Even if I love the person and know they love me, there's still a weird thing about it. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to practice courage. Pick up the phone, make a phone call. That's okay. So when we can turn fear into a friend, that's when the real power comes. Look, if you look back on your life, all the big changes 
the great change, the good changes came after something you were afraid of. Yes, you correct. were afraid. You did it anyway. And then you look back and go, oh, that wasn't so bad as I thought it would be a lot of the time. Sometimes it is really hard. But you look back and you're so happy because you marched through it and came to somewhere so much more powerful, so much bigger, stepping into your brilliance. Of course, the universe wants you to learn and grow. And it is going to force another one of those places in front of you. And they get bigger because we're growing. So, you know, we were growing here, but now we're growing here. Oh, that, whoa, that's big. I've never faced anything like that before. No, you haven't. You can't live the same fear over and over. You have to have a new challenge. And when you step into that fear, when you harness that fear and turn it into a friend or even a superpower, great things happen. Beauty is always on the other side of that fear. To be clear, there's the other fear that really protects your life because someone might have a gun to your head. Yeah. So I'm not talking about that. But all these other types of fears that we have about doing things, beauty is always on the other side. I find that when, because I'm kind of ballsy anyway. So if I have a fear, I kind of go for it and see what happens. I find I've gotten my aha moments from that. It's like, I'll go through a fear and then something happens. And even if it's not what I anticipated would happen is still an aha moment for me because now I know one more thing about me and now I'm one step closer to understanding myself. Yeah. You know, when I started thinking the soul is here to learn, it, it made my life so much easier just by thinking that. Right. Isn't that so powerful? It's like, Look, you chose to be here. Did you know that you chose to be here? Yes, I do. <laughs> no, I know you, but people listening, you know that. I I now know that. Although mm -hmm. I didn't always know that, right? So so you listen what you listening and watching, you know that you chose to be here. So then you have to go, well, why the hell did I choose to be here? Was it to hide or was it to show up? Was it to connect with people? Was it what am I here to learn? Why did I choose to go through some of these difficulties that have been on my path for some of these joyous experiences that have been on my path? Like that's the why. If you're going to ask a why, that's the why. What am I here to learn? What am I here to contribute? Because you chose to be here for those reasons. And even the traumas or the experiences you have, regardless of how you look at them, there's something that helps your soul learn. Yeah, they're here for the learning of the soul. That's why I started the podcast, because we need to be more in touch with our perceptions and our soul. Once we do, as scary as it is, we move on and go to the next step. And there's such a sense of peace, even though things keep happening for me to learn. It's like going up the ladder in a corporation. You still have to learn the steps, but you move up when you accept. Yeah, it, it's a journey in a completely different direction than most of us are taught to take the journey. Like we're taught to take that corporate ladder journey, which seemingly has an end when you get, you know, your president or CEO or whatever. And then the journey, we need to discover you know, outer space and go to the moon and go to Mars and all these places. And I'm not diminishing a fascination with outer space. And, and, you know, I love science fiction movies, but I am telling you, there is so much more power in the journey within. The journey within is so much more vast than figuring out how to get to Mars, 
believe me, it's going to be easier to get to Mars than it is to really go deep and figure out what's going in here. Because like you said, there are layers and, and you go in. And I remember it was some years ago, the first time that I had this realization that there's no end to the journey and discovery. Like I thought I'm going to learn a lot. And once I figure it out, well, okay, now I figured it out. I can say I figured it out and then I can do whatever I can be. I can teach, I, uh, but I'll, I'll know it. And life is going to be awesome. And then I'm walking one day, I'm walking in the park and I'm like thinking about all this stuff and all the, the lessons and I'm reading, I'm learning, I'm processing everything. And I go, and I had already processed a lot. And then there was all this new stuff and I'm going, oh my God, there is no there. There's no end to this. I'm trying to get there, but there doesn't exist. Exactly. That was like a mind blow. I had to sit with that one for weeks. And then I said, oh, okay, what if I go here? Now, my only goal is to go here. And there's learning growth in that to hear changes, but it's it's a very different journey. Yeah, because you could get overwhelmed if you think that there's so much and you can overwhelm yourself. I am also, I'm a big fan of sci-fi and everything. And I write a little bit like that and surrealism, but this beautiful planet, we don't even know what's in the oceans. I think we need to explore what's here. I mean, when you look at this planet from outer space, it's absolutely beautiful. And why do we have to go somewhere else? I mean, it's great because I am I like exploring and I'm fascinated by space and all of that. But look at what we have here. And I think acknowledging and appreciating your present is so moving into getting into the future. Your present affects the future. So if you can yeah. live in the present, that makes a world of difference and practice that gratitude. I'm a big fan of gratitude. Yeah, because gratitude exists in the now. Exactly. And here's the whole thing. Like, why, why do we want to go to Mars? What we're all really doing is trying to get away. Yes. We're, we're trying to run away from what's here now. Uh, and that's what vacations are for a lot of people. Now, I'm not against traveling and discovering. There's, there's amazing discovery when you connect with people from other cultures and around the world. But just to go on a vacation to run away from what you have now, that's no way to live. Like people, people will work all year long going, yeah, I can't wait for my two weeks vacation. And that's not a joyous life. We have to learn to experience the now so we don't have to keep running away. Thing is, you could run as far as you can. You're still with yourself. Well, that, that, (laughs) look, that was my life. We didn't go a lot into my backstory on this, but that is what I did. I moved to Denmark. I moved to Spain. I was born in Boston, moved to Denmark, moved to Spain, moved to LA, and then moved closer to the beach. And then still wasn't, then I moved closer to the beach. I, the whole time I thought I was, I was running towards stuff. I was running towards Denmark because, because I met some friends there, had a great time there. And, and, and I thought it was great and I'm going to meet new cultures and, and, and things like that. And, and I love the beach. So I moved to LA and then I thought I was moving towards the beach, which I physically, I was, but I only realized this later. I didn't know this as I was going through it. I thought I was always moving towards something, but what I was doing was I was running away. You know, here's the real story. I, I, 
used to be a big punk rocker. I used to interview all kinds of bands and broadcast concerts and all that kind of stuff. I'm living in Santa Monica, California. There's a park there that overlooks the ocean called Palisades Park. I used to walk there all the time because it gave me solace to once see the ocean. Then the city was behind. You didn't have the problems of the city. In those days, I didn't like the voices in my head. So I always, I always had sound on. So I had my headphones on and I was listening to music. These days, I much more just listen to the sounds of the planet, unless it might be a podcast that I really want to listen to or something, and I will. But most of the time, I walk listening to the world instead of shutting out the world. Then I shut out the world. And I'm walking in the park, and I'm listening to the song. The song comes on. I have heard it a thousand times before. It's a band called Social Distortion. I've seen the concerts. I broadcast the concert. I've interviewed the band. So it's like this was nothing new to me, but it was like I had never heard it before. And these are the lyrics. You can run all your life, but not go anywhere. And I stopped and I said, wait a minute, is that me? Because I really believed at the time I was living on Third Street, three blocks from the beach. And I really believed that once I got onto the beach, then I would be happy. Of course, when I was on 11th Street, I thought Third Street would make me happy. When I was in LA, I thought 11th Street would make me happy. You know, when I was in Boston, I thought LA would make me happy, right? So I was running away. That was a big stop for me. Now, I can't say that immediately was an aha moment. I only kind of know it looking back because I didn't make any immediate changes because everything was like blown out of the water. All my beliefs were, were blown out of the water. Like, what do I do with this? I, I, I was in a way even frozen, I would say, for a period of time. And then I got out of the unfrozen. And I said, okay, what would happen? Not, not, not going back to the questions, not why was I running, but if I'm not going to run anymore, what do I need to do? What has to happen? Not blaming anything that happened in the past, but what do I do from this moment forward? And that's when things began to change for me. And I, I, I started studying this new world of, I still love punk music, but you know what? I don't have to rage against the world. <laughs> I don't have to blame everybody else for my problems. I get to own my life myself. I get to, I get to take 100% responsibility and live a life that includes ongoing joy that comes from here, not out there. Yes. Like, wow. That, that's not, they didn't teach me that in the punk rock world. Nope. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm great for it. Grateful for it. It definitely saved me when I needed it. It was my refuge. But this, being here now, practicing self-love and self-compassion, or at least self-acceptance, not fighting yourself and others, you know, as you were saying before, not fighting yourself. Oh, that's a, I still love seeing a rock and roll show, but I'm telling you, it's being here now is a much better refuge. I laughed because I actually was a punk rocker myself. And I had a magazine called Lost and I interviewed like the Clash. Oh, I didn't interview the Clash. I took photos of the Clash, but I interviewed the Cure and bands like that at the time. Uh, yeah. Joe Strummer, one of my idols, and I got to interview him. It was huge. It's like there were good moments then. Yeah, I was exciting. But, but I still beat myself up at the end of the day. I still have the self-talk that didn't allow me to celebrate that because then my self-talk was, man, you finally got to sit down with your idol. And that was a dumb question to ask. Person, you know, <laughs> you beat yourself up, right? Uh, even though he was amazing, he was so kind and amazing and, and giving. 
as were many others, but my self-talk didn't allow me to celebrate it. Now, again, I don't beat myself up for the self-talk, but I consciously, that was subconscious self-talk, now I consciously celebrate it. Like at the yes, end of this, I'll, I'll just celebrate. What a, what a great conversation with Sonia. That was so cool. And, and you connected and you're both punk rockers. I'm going <laughs> to ignore all the stutters that I did, all the slurring. Occasionally my Boston accent comes out. All the slurring of words that I do because we talk really fast in Boston and I got to get all the words out quickly. I'm going to let that gloss over. And I'm just going to focus on the good things that came from it. And that for me is a different way of living than I used to. And I believe for many people, that's a different way of living. And that's what we all want to learn and practice. See, I, I think stuff like accents or speaking quickly or and I'm fascinated by it. It shows so much character. I love seeing character in people. I love seeing them be them and not watching every single word they say. And you can tell because they take the pause and they think. Now, I understand if you're in a therapist, you have to watch what you say. So, you know, you have to do the thinking. But I think just being you is amazing. It's what's interesting in the podcast is people that are themselves. Yes, I totally understand by moving. I grew up in the hood. Now, granted, it was good for me to move out of the hood because I found there was a lot of woe is me because it is hard. It is a hard life there. Then I started doing chasing enlightenment, but enlightenment is within you. It's yeah. not it's not outside of you. It's good to learn what other people have done. But if you chase it, it's never going to be part of you. And that's what I did for a long time. I bought every self-help book. I chased it and it kept avoiding me. And until I was able to sit back and say, this is me. Let me work on me. And then it started working out. Yeah. And I think that's a journey for for a lot of us. And it's to be honored. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, hanging out with, I hate the word, spiritual people, right? And there's a pathway. Sometimes we look upon those. Well, one, if they're not spiritual, it's like, well, they're not spiritual. Well, like, I mean, it can't, some people actually were kind of born that way for like, and I have great honor for them. But it's like, hey, do you remember you before you learned this stuff? Like, do, do I remember me 20 years ago? <laughs> you know, we, we, we have to remember that part of it. And then sometimes when you're at the beginning of the journey, you speak in such a way that people who might be further in the journey are going, well, that's, that's not how it is. But that, that, then that's a whole nother kind of judgment. There's all this spiritual judgment that goes on. And I think we have to honor the people at that part of the journey. And to be clear, to honor the people who are judging people on that part of the journey, because that's part of it too. It's like, we're chasing it. Then we get a glimpse. Then we judge others who haven't figured it out, whatever the, it is. And then, and I'm not saying I'm there, um, you know, to be clear, I'm not saying I'm the enlightened one, not enlightened, not chasing it anymore either. I'm here yes. now, but we get to a place where we go, oh, that's this person's spot on the journey. And it's cool, right? Where you are, you're chasing. Awesome. Do all the reading. You want a shortcut based on my knowledge? I'll share something if it's meaningful for you. Or not, because I got there the long way. I I didn't know about the shortcut. I took the long cut. Okay. 
at whatever path and just have honor for people where they are before the journey, pre-journey, within the journey, post-journey, if there is a post-journey, I don't know what that would be. Um, Death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Death, but then you're reborn. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a whole practice of acceptance. And that's what self-love taught me is when I can accept myself, I am more accepting of others. It's a lot easier to accept others because I went on that where I'm doing the journey and I've, you know, I've also like tried to tell people, oh, look, the journey. And I know they're working on themselves. I go, look at this. But sometimes they're just not ready for that. What I had to learn was, hey, they're working at it. They're really trying to make their life better. And for me, that should be all that there is. You should yeah. accept them for their point where they are in their lives. You can't change anybody. You could only work on yourself. If you could educate, like I like to educate people. If I can, if they're accepting of it, because I also learned that I tried to give information and it wasn't accepted. So that's okay. <laughs> you too. <laughs> yeah. I listen. And I'll say, well, you know, you like to do this. Well, there's this great book on this. Or listen to this one episode. Because I've had people come up to me and really tell me about toxic relationships. I said, well, I have an episode on that. This woman hits it really hard. <laughs> so it'd be good for you. But I can't grab your hand and drag you through it. It's I could hold your hand and say it's okay, but... That's all I can do. I can't change you. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to be ready. I mean, look, if you would have told the, the 20 or 25 or even 30 year old me that to love yourself, he would have spit in your face. If you would have told him that, that you, the future you is going to going to run a mindfulness center in Austin, Texas, and have a self-love revolution program, he would have laughed in your face and just, but interestingly enough, at that time, in those years, a great friend of mine handed me this book, uh, a book by Thich Nhat Hanh called Pieces Every Step. And I accepted it and mm -hmm. I threw it on the shelf along with all my other books. I didn't open it. I, like, I didn't understand why he gave it to me. But I was a huge, I mean, I knew why he gave it. He was being kind, but it didn't like, eh. But when I was ready, several years later, that book was on the shelf and I picked it up. It's one of my four Bibles, right? It's had so much impact on my life. And by Bible, I mean, I go back to it year after year. I reread it and I learn something new. Thich Nhat Hanh, Pieces Every Step. Go get the book if you're ready for it. If he hadn't given it to me earlier, and even it may, like if he had given it to me that day when I was ready, maybe I wouldn't read it. But I saw it on the shelf for so long, for so many years. One day I was like, what the hell is this book that's in my house? changed my life. It does. It really does. I have books that I have bought because people said they were really good and they're on the shelf. I actually was doing inventory during the pandemic and I started, I gave away three boxes of books. I started doing inventory and I actually did it like a library. I wrote the book, the year and all this kind of stuff. And if it was a first edition or whatever. And I said, I have so many incredible books that I haven't even read. I've been picking them up and reading them at home. I keep them by my bedside because I don't want light in my face when I'm trying to go to sleep. And I've been reading them. 
But one of the people that really got me into self-help when I started getting into it in my early 20s, when I came to L.A., I lived right by the Bodhi tree. And the Bodhi tree, remember the Bodhi tree that was around from the 60s? Now they're only online. But at that time, you were able to walk in there, pick up a book, read it, have tea. They always had tea if you wanted to have tea. And it you would look at a great in there, didn't it? Oh, my God. It was it's such it was such an amazing place. I started getting into things because they allowed me to look through the book and I looked through the book and they had a seating place and you would just sit and read. And I started discovering so many things about world religions. And it was just I realized they were all saying the same thing. Yeah. And how much we don't listen We don't listen. If we could find the things that people say that are so enlightened, it's amazing how one sentence could change your whole life or or one phrase. And if you really go back to the teachings, not just the interpretations of the teachings, but the words that they use. I mean, I am of Jewish heritage. If you read what the Buddha said, and if you read what Jesus said, and if you read what the prophets and, you know, what I call the Bible, the Old Testament, whatever you want to call it, if you read it, if you read the words, they're all saying the same things. Exactly. Just in different interpretations. I went to a Catholic high school, so I kind of got Bible stuff and, yeah. and catechism because I'm, I was raised Catholic. I'm looking for a copy of the original Bible and the original Bible with all the old books is the Ethiopian Bible. That's the one that never took those books out because as I'm doing research, I realized that many of the current Bibles were changed by Kings. The Kings said, Oh, I don't like that. This, you know, the Bible says this, so take that out. And the first one that did it was Henry the eighth. I'm sorry, but Henry VIII is not someone I want to take religious beliefs <laughs> from, you know, but that's where the King's James Bible came from. There's so many different renditions of the Bible, and they're mostly were changed by the king because people at that time thought that the king was a descendant from God. Oh, interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Wow, people were terrified. So much. And then, of course, the translations, right? Because we're translating, at least here where we are, we're speaking English, from, from these ancient languages into English, which means there's going to be a potential error because sometimes you can't capture the words or sometimes the words just translated wrong. Um, yes. You know, someone, someone came out with a, a new translation of the Bible a few years ago and like all these words were changed, um, right? A word that means that means breath was changed was really he says no. If you look at the context, it says in these places it means breath, but in these places it means soul or something like that. But because we didn't have a full understanding of the language or whoever looked at it, they just used that one word and gave it the same definition across the wherever it showed up. But we know that's not how English is we use the same word and it has different meanings. I mean, I have a six-year-old son and he's like, well, that you just said that and that means that. I'm like, oh, this word has two meanings. Isn't that really interesting, (laughs) right? But when you read the Bible translated, you don't get that. No, you don't. And you making that point reminded me because I studied Shakespeare because I'm an actor. There's one part in Romeo and Juliet 
in the original book, and I forget what you call those, I should know this, but in the modern version is when she kills herself and she says, here I lay my the sword to rest. In the original, it was here I laid the sword to rust. Uh-huh. As she and I think that has so much more impact. Yeah. Because she lays that sword to rust. And so I had to learn both. You had to learn Shakespeare and how to interpret it. But I loved Shakespeare. It's all of that. And then and then we get programmed a certain way to believe a certain way based on what was put in and taken out, based on how it's translated and based on then how our teachers translate it. I mean, look, a, a Jewish person born in the 60s, growing up in the 70s, 80s, you know, the Holocaust was before, but it was, there wasn't that much separation. And, and based on that, you learned about the Spanish Inquisition. And I'll be honest, Jesus was not taught as a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and people that were pushing Jesus on you were bad people. Now, I don't believe Jesus or any religion should be pushed on people. But when I was older in life, I began to learn about Jesus, not not necessarily in a religious way, Christian, let's study the religion, but but about the, the person in some of the teachings and some of what he actually said, which no one had ever taught me before. They just like the Spanish Inquisition and and people who are Christian are, are you know, trying to kill you. Right. Mm-hmm. OK, I get that. But those are the people that took the word the wrong way, because when you just read the words, it's like, whoa, I I can buy some of that. I, I uh, I'm I'm good with that. You know what? If more people followed the words of Jesus as opposed to the people who supposedly speak the words of Jesus, like, hey, I, you know what? I'll follow the words of Jesus. Those, those are He's a teacher. Those are great words that we oh, all I mean, take I to mean, heart. Yeah, I mean, like Jesus and Gandhi and, I, you know, you could just go through the list of these incredible prophets, but we need to listen. We need to listen. When we listen to them, we listen to our soul because they're speaking from what is within us. Yeah. It's And I don't know why people just keep spitting it out, spitting it out and not feeling it. It's from within us. God is within us. But I believe in an energy that's the, you know, inner soul or universal knowledge or whatever you want to call it. It is within us. We just have to quiet ourselves to get to that point so that we can do self-love because we're actually, we're born perfect. Yeah. Well, that, that goes back to what we're talking about, what we were talking about before the intellectual experience versus the embodying experience. All of these things are often taught at an intellectual level. Maybe because those other books were taken out by kings or whatever. I I don't don't know the whole history of why, but my experiences is taught at an intellectual level, but it's not. You have to embody it. And when you can embody it, you move, you were talking about the soul before, then you connect to it on a soul level, because our body is inside of our soul's body. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I, I learned and understood that because at some point I was taught the soul was inside of us. And then I learned, and you know, I know we don't have the machinery to prove yet, but I believe in a hundred years, we're going to have machines that, that can see the soul, just like we have MRIs that can see the brain. They didn't exist mm-hmm. 50 years ago. Now we see the brain hundred years. We'll see the soul that we are inside of our soul. And that just, for me, that really changed my understanding 
of the mind-body-soul connection and the human being-to-human being connection too, that we're human beings looking to connect with each other. At the same time, we're souls who chose to be here at this time looking to connect with each other. So how do we connect more lovingly with ourselves and with each other? You should honor the differences in people because they're here to teach you. Every time I meet someone different, I'm really curious and I ask a million questions. You you think that I was like the first time on earth and I knew nothing, but that's me. I know that if I'm not learning, I get bored very easily. That's why I did well in school. I learned and now I want to get out of here. I do very well in quarterly in the quarter system. When I went to school, I did terrible in semester because by the time the semester was over, I was bored. I I don't want to learn this anymore. I'm done. But quarter systems, I did really well because I learned and it's I know that that's me. I know I get bored if I don't learn. I could learn material things whenever. What I'm more fascinated with is learning about the soul, how it works with others. And I totally believe that our soul, we are within our soul. That's how people can sense us. You know how you sometimes attract the same kind of people? I am attracting more enlightened people, more people that have questions. With me knowing more, I actually know less. Does that make any sense? You know, the more I know, the less I know. 100%. The more yes. I learn, the less I know. So true. Because you realize you're, you're digging in this hole or digging out the layers or however you, you're going. As soon as you get there, you go, oh, my God, there's so much more. And then you go, go, go. Oh, there's so much more. more. It, it's like when you, when you climb in a mountain and, and you see the peak. And then you're about to get to it. And then you realize that wasn't the peak. It's over there. Yeah. Right? Like a false peak. Then, Oh my God. more! There, oh, it's really there. And, and, and you just keep going and going and going. That's, but, yes. but it's a beautiful journey. The hiking, the hiking up is where the fun is. Exactly. I get all excited about this too, because what I found was I was afraid to make a change because I would not feel sure-footed anymore. Like, okay, I have to be on solid ground, but you really don't. It's like now you're floating, you're getting knowledge, you're my curiosity. Sometimes I feel like a damn two-year-old again. It's like, okay, what's under this rock? You know, what's going on here? The curiosity is so much better now that I'm older. I think I'm more curious now than when I was in my 20s. I like that. I like, well, it was good for the brain because you're constantly exercising it, so... But the knowledge is, I just love learning. And it's okay not to know. That it's was the hardest also, part for me. Oh, yeah. I, I'm teaching that to my six-year-old. Why do It's okay not to know. I don't have the answer. Well, guess. It's okay not to know. Um, that's a big one. But yeah, because we do have this desire to know things. Mm-hmm. And that curiosity, to me, the real importance of curiosity is that it's the seed of kindness and connection. See, curiosity can replace judgment. Most of us, the first moment we see someone, the judging happens. Well, I wonder what this person is like and, and you know, what are they like? What are they going to think I'm like? You know, the, the, we get into this whole judgment thing. But for, for anything, a restaurant can be a restaurant, a human being, like anything. We're programmed to immediately judge everything 
yes, it's evolutionary because we had to look at our surroundings and look out for danger. So it's designed, okay, new situation. Is there danger? Judge, is there danger? Could this person be a danger? So we have to understand that it's evolutionary so we don't beat ourselves up. And if we can begin to replace that judgment with curiosity, like you're saying, just begin to ask questions. Well, that's the seed of connection. That's the seed of kindness. And yes, also of learning and growing, as you say, but nothing beats kindness. Like it really doesn't. That's what we all need right now. And curiosity creates kindness. It does. I was a big believer of you always tell the truth, but yes, you should tell the truth, but do it with kindness and not with attack. You know, you could tell someone that if they ask you, how does this dress look on me? And you totally hate it. You could say, I hate it. Or you can say, not my style. Why don't you try this? You're still saying the same thing, but you're being kind. And I think that little things like that, you don't have to be attacking the people. Social media does that a lot because people could hide behind a name, a fake name and say whatever they feel like it, but it doesn't help society. It doesn't. Again, where it it amplifies the judgment zone. Yes, it it amplifies it. Sometimes I'll even type something and then I'll go, "Mm, delete, 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 delete. And sometimes I just let it go. And sometimes I go, okay, well, how is there a way to engage, not to convince someone, but just to be kind? Because here's the thing. Everyone has the simple need to be seen, heard, and understood, which is what, what feeling loved really is. What do you feel when you feel loved? You feel seen, heard, and understood. If that person, it doesn't mean you need to agree with someone. But if you can simply see them and hear them and perhaps be in their shoes for a moment, understand them. And I mentioned Thich Nhat Hanh before, Pieces Every Step. I forget the name of, of, of the poem that he wrote, but he, he writes it from multiple perspectives with the understanding that if I was brought up the same way this other person was brought up, I'd be doing the same thing. I would be a criminal, right? I would be a pirate on the sea if I, if I was born and you know i forget which country has the problem with pirates but if i was born there brought up like that i'd be a pirate i'm in political leanings you would call me pretty left wing but i know that if i and i was brought up in a fairly progressive family if i was brought up in a different family who every day taught you know well this is bad it has to be this i would believe that instead So if I can hold that understanding, I speak English because my parents spoke English to me. And if I was in another country, I would speak another language. Yeah, I mean, in politicals, yes, you you know, occasionally do people do switch sides, but 90% of people have the same political affiliation as their as their parents. Why? Because that's the language they were taught. So we can we can just understand they were brought up a certain way. And that's why you don't have to agree with it. But if we can create curiosity around it, we can create connection. With connection, we can create solutions. Because the truth is we agree on way, way more than we disagree. We're just so focused on lack of curiosity. Believe what I'm telling you right now, Sonia, or something's (laughs) wrong with you, right? 
and I, I'm gonna, I, and I'm from Boston. I got a loud voice. I'm gonna talk louder than you, right? That's what we were taught. The person with the loudest voice wins. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, my heritage is Puerto Rican, so yeah, I know, yeah, I know so that we, one. <laughs> we have a good one here, right? Yes. Uh, but instead, we get to be curious with each other, and that changes our dialogue with each other. Yeah, it shows more compassion, and I really feel with the couple of last years, I find there's two things. There's been a great more love and compassion on one end, and then the fear and divide and conquer on the other. But I can understand both. Yeah. Might not agree with one, but I can understand the fear within the behavior. If we can get to that point, because people focus on the divide and conquer, don't approve of it. No, me either. If we can understand that person is afraid, let's meet them where they are. I've been afraid. I know what it's like to be afraid. Mm-hmm. It may be irrational that they're afraid, but let's stop saying, don't be afraid. Let's yes. stop hiding from our emotions. Let's stop using this language of don't be sad, don't be angry, don't be afraid, be afraid. Okay, this person is afraid. Can we start there and then see if we can address it from that angle as opposed to stop trying to divide and conquer. You're wrong. We're all connected. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're all connected, damn it. Don't you see it? You know? <laughs> it's like, you know, because then it's just the same from the other you're side. Doing, you're dividing and conquering there. Exactly. Exactly. You cannot change people until they are ready to change. All you can do is give them information, let them go through that information, accept it if they want, because you don't know what someone's journey is. But they won't accept it unless they feel seen first. Seen so and see safe. First, right. See them first, make them feel understood to your point now. Now they feel safe. Then, and only then, can you engage in a conversation that yes, then they can accept it or not. But if they don't feel seen and, and safe, I think that's, that's a really good point you make. It's pointless. It, you're never going to get anywhere. Can't get anywhere because we can't, we can't create change from a stressful place. We have to move into that place of acceptance in order to create change. Accept first, then create the change. And the change will be beautiful but it has to come from acceptance. Well, I was just about to ask you, what's the closing? What would you tell the audience in a closing? And that sounded beautiful, but if you want to add, what would you Here's what I would say in closing. It's easier to accept others if you accept yourself. So begin by accepting yourself. So here's what I ask that you do. Say one kind thing to yourself right now, right now, one kind thing to yourself. Or when you look in the mirror, say one kind thing to yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Yeah, maybe you hate your hair and this and that. I'm not saying you have to love it all. Pick one thing that you do like. And every day, say one kind thing to yourself. If you do this every day, eventually you'll begin to accept yourself, then even like yourself, perhaps even love yourself. And when you do that, when you can begin to accept yourself as you are, you will begin to accept others as they are. And you will experience much more joy and connection in your life and you'll allow others to do it in their lives. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. How can people reach you? A certain website you want to go to? Because I'll put all your links in the notes for anybody that wants to get more contact. It's selfloverevolution.com. And it is a revolution because there are people that don't want you to live this way because you being in a state of unhappiness is a surefire way of you spending more money trying to make you happy. So you have a whole consumer society built on your unhappiness so that you buy things. I'm not against buying things. Money's great. Have things that that create benefit in your life. 
Uh, but don't do it because you're unhappy. Be happy now. Join the self-love revolution, selflovevolution.com. Click the button that says join the revolution. And let's do this together in a community where we can thrive, learn, grow, support each other in a safe space. I want to thank you so much. You have had so much knowledge. I'm sure the audience is going to love all of this. And I really love say one thing because everything starts with a baby step. That one thing. Thank you for listening to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast. Please visit us and subscribe to our newsletter at PoeticResurrection.com for the latest information and updates.